They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors. We are two follically challenged pastors. Well, we're talking about scripture again. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. How many talking snakes do you know there, Joe? <laughs> Not too many. Not too many. But my question for you are, is, are you your brother's keeper? I think so. I think that was what Jesus taught us to do. <laughs> I think that is kind of the whole point. Yes. Yes. All right. So we've got um, this next creation story from Genesis. Um you will notice if you go through and read chapter one and then you go and read chapter two in Genesis, it sounds like a different voice. It sounds like a different story. It's framed in a completely different way. Um, you know, in the in the Genesis one story, you've got big picture to small picture where it's, uh, you know, God says light and there's light. And then you get the creation of the world and eventually you get down to the people that God loves and cares about and creates in God's own image and then gives them uh, the calling to take care of all of this, and then also gives them the gift of rest to appreciate it. And in this story, it changes completely. It's about creating the, the people and then giving them something to do. So to give them something to do, you need the animals, you need the garden, you need uh, each other, and uh, you have kind of the first conflict and where it all goes south <laughs> and it, it what i've typically tell my confirmation students when i teach this that's mainly when i teach the story again and again is in in the first chapter of genesis it's kind of like god is up in the sky and says i'm gonna i'm gonna create this and i'm gonna create that and mm -hmm. in each and every day and and in genesis chapter two in god's creation it's more like god walks in the god garden. walks in the garden with with adam and says hey let's go do this and hey let's go do that and it's more of a a personal god the god that you can really connect with in in a real meaningful way yeah so just to start with um things that are interesting so the word adam is a is a word play on the word for ground so adama means like earth and so his name literally means like earth guy yeah or if you think of human and like humus that like rich soil that's wet and just ready to like plant something in like that's that's kind of what his name means fertile ground that's kind uh, of an interesting name ground guy ground guy <laughs> it's better than call him a dirt bag <laughs> <I> guess. <laughs> so we won't that's go there true, that's true that's true although you know it, it's not wrong <laughs> it's not wrong it's not wrong so we you know there's a a way of reading this story, of course, which is, you know, completely sexist and misogynistic and just beats poor people up. And, and I don't think the story is, is really designed to do that. I think it really is about who are we uh, as a people, right? And, and what, is, what is God up to with us? And again, if we go back to this framework of, of Babylon being the place where we are in exile... Um, it, it's trying to address that a little bit, I think, right? So you've got, um, before we were in exile, we were home. Mm -hmm. 
which is exactly what's going on with Adam and Eve, right? Before right. they get kicked out of the garden, they were home. And so forever humanity is kind of not at home with itself uh, or, or in, even in this, this world that God has created good and beautiful. It's also a, uh, it's also a dangerous place. Yep. And, uh, well, the, the caring for the garden is not quite so easy. Um, you know, the, the work is hard. You got to really till the earth to get something out of it. Um, you know, there's, there's death. So there's, um, I think coming at it from that way maybe gives a different little lens to just how we, we start in there. Because usually you kind of follow along and you say, all right, well, this, this snake tricks them. And, you know, the, the devil's crafty. And, well, isn't it Eve's fault? And isn't it Adam's fault? Mm-hmm. And now we're in this big mess because of those two losers. <laughs> um, which, you know... It, it is saying that, yeah. But I think it's more saying where are we out on the other side, right? Because we, we already know we're in exile. We already know we're not home. We already know if this world is created good, it's not what it should be, and there's something not right about it, and there's something not right with us. And so, what's going on there? And it, it is about not trusting God. That ultimately, that is the problem: is we've not appreciated the relationship God has created for us. To, to live in God's goodness and God's created world and to trust one another and to build each other up. And so instead, we're selfish, greedy jerks. And, well, the world is the way it is because that's the way we are. Yeah. And isn't that the message throughout the Old Testament, right? Uh, yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God said, you know, let's do it this way. People said, no, we're going to do it our way. God said, okay, do it your way. The world goes Completely. down the tubes and... God says, okay, I forgive you. Now let's do it this way. And it just repeats the cycle over and over again. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a there's a big part of us. Um, we always have this nostalgic idea that things were great. Um, mm. Whatever it is, we're missing, Yeah. right? I mean, it wasn't a few, more than a few years ago, we started this podcast, and part of the big thing was, let's talk about how our faith and life intersect because, you know, we're servants of the church. We serve the church, but we know it's not right. We know it's broken. We know there's a lot of things we got to do to to reposition it, to really serve its mission in the world, because the way we've been doing things for these last few generations, it worked for some, but they didn't work for everybody, and they also excluded a lot of people, and they also just turned inward on themselves, and, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it's not supplied by the, the people power that once people envision to keep them sustained. And so this, the people that keep it going are burned out and, mm-hmm. you know, and now we look at, you know, a couple of years into this pandemic and you're like, man, we long for that. Right. right. That was, those that, were the good old days. Right. And when, when we were in the middle of them, we're like, man, th- there's a lot of things wrong here. Yeah. So part of this story, I think names that. Yeah. We always are looking back at this kind of magical time that probably, uh, it, it's always evaded us, right? Yeah. And uh, even the people of Israel back way, however, I mean, they're looking back from, from Babylon to, to, to back to their homeland and say, oh, man, wasn't it was great when we were there? Well, it was just as full of conflict and, and problems yep. and, and people killing each other and treating each other like garbage and forgetting who God was and, and doing all the things that people do because we're greedy, selfish jerks. Yeah. So now we have this this story, right, where yeah. where God is walking with 
Adam and Eve, and and they're give, God's giving them a lot of responsibilities, dominion over the animals and the earth, and uh, and then there's a interesting character that's introduced in chapter three, the snake. The snake. The snake was crafty. Yes. And the snake speaks. So I don't. I have not run into many speaking snakes. I have not either. No. Um, I do like Harry Potter though, so I get it. But um, <laughs> I, you know, part of it is it is calling out. Uh, I think just the the scariness of the world and how it gets away from us. Why wouldn't a snake speak? Right? Yeah. Um, well, and it, the snake brings in that temptation. You know, right. you want to know the difference between good and evil. You want to know everything that God knows, and there's an opportunity for you to have everything that you want. But right. there's a cost. Right, I think of uh, you know the other great temptation story of Jesus in the wilderness, and he's also uh, combating someone who's crafty, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's where the parallels get made and say, well, the snake must be the devil after all. Yeah, uh, even though the Genesis story never actually claims that, um, you know. And what is what is the devil tempting Jesus with? But but power and prestige and protection from from all of the the things uh, in the world that. Yep. that we get drawn to and, and keep us off mission, uh, keep us from being our brothers or sisters, siblings, keeper in the world. Instead, we, we focus on ourselves and how we advance ourselves and how we take care of ourselves and, and kind of everybody else is, well, just stay at arm's length and leave me alone. Right. Uh, it, which seems pretty natural. Um, we're all kind of geared that way. And so what happens in this story is this snake comes and offers them um, it's interesting. He doesn't, he's not offering them the tree of life. They already have the tree of life. That's God has given them that gift to eat from the tree of life. But it's, it's if you touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that's what's going to do you in. And, and in some ways, what's powerful about the story is that the snake as crafty as he is, isn't misspeaking. No, uh, right. Because once they eat of it, they do know the difference between good and evil. Yep. And it it's pretty dang scary. It is. It is. And all of a sudden they see the world for what it is. It's not this utopia that's around them. It's it's full of all of a sudden they're afraid. Uh it, it's not just bliss and happiness. It's uh oh, what are we going to do? And and they're afraid now of God. Uh they they realize they're naked. Um, which means they're, they feel shame. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're not, they're not quite sure which way to go forward from there. And then God confronts them and doesn't really do anything other than tell them what they already know, which, you know, you didn't trust me. Yeah. You didn't trust me. And, and right away they start to blame each other. (laughs) Why did you eat that? Well, I, I didn't. She did it. Well, why did you do it? I, the snake did it, you know? Right. I have this meme somewhere on my computer. It's of, um, it's a statue, like it's a stone Jesus, but he's got his face buried in his hands. Like, 
<laughs> I always think of that when I see yeah, stories yeah, like this. Yeah, Look, yeah. I gave you everything. <laughs> I've given you this world. It's beautiful. It has everything you need. It's it's got more than you need. It's it's abundant. It's full of life. It's gorgeous. You you've got the most important role in in helping me manage it. And look what you did. Oy, oy, oy. You messed it up. Oy, oy, oy. But what's interesting, even though God judges them in the story, he doesn't say, you're on your own. Mm. They are not... Well, they are in exile, right? They're kicked out of the garden. Maybe it's because they, they couldn't really stay there. I mean, I know you've got the fiery sword and you've got this imagery of God, you know, enacting this 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 harsh judgment against them. But again, think of the people who are in exile in Babylon. Um, once you kind of see the world for what it is, it's kind of hard not to see it again. Right. So it's not even necessarily the physicality of where the garden is. I know people have been trying to track that down as long as there's uh, been people that do that kind of thing. But uh, it, it's not a... It's not really about finding Eden. I think it's once you've become aware of your own culpability and temptation to to the things that your selfish, greedy jerkness wants, your naivete is gone. Yeah, you can't go back there. Yep. Just you just can't go back there. And then what you do is you try to create. Well, those were the good old days, and so. Where everything it, was perfect in it, the garden, and now it's not. Yeah. And maybe it was, and let's let's hold on to that. But I, I think, I mean, there is a, this cool image at the end of the Bible when you're in Revelation, and you're not in the garden anymore, but you're in a new Jerusalem, and the peoples of all the world are gathered there, and God is wiping away their tears and, and caring for God's people and standing with them in that place down by the river, and uh, it's, I think the tree of life is there, yep. right? Yep. It's total restoration. But it's not going back. Right. Right? It's, it's putting the pieces together in a way that creates something new. Um, that's, that, again, is good and is life-giving. And that's an important thing to realize, I think, even when we are in our churches or even in our lives when we say oh we wish sunday school was the way it was 20 years ago let's if we just have sunday school like that everything would be fine or what if our church service was the way it was 50 years ago then everything would be fine and it's not trying to recreate that but it's taking what we have our knowledge our skills our abilities the people whomever is with us and to create something that is life-giving for the people around us um, and our current community. Yeah, so the where this story goes after this, after they are, are kicked out, they're in exile, they are now um, toiling in the earth. Um, God clothes them. Yep. So they're not abandoned, right? Um, they start having children, so they are multiplying as as. So that's not taken away from them, even though it's 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 a struggle. Uh, as life is a struggle. Yep. And you have these two characters, Cain and Abel, who are brothers. One who's a shepherd, 
one who's a farmer, they both create an altar to worship God. Kind of in their, think about it. They actually do it in their own image, Mm. right? They're not worshiping God to worship God per se. Maybe they are, but, um, you know, of course the, the shepherd is going to, going to offer a sheep and the farmer is going to offer some grain. Yeah. So there's nothing really objective there. It's, well, this is what I would want. So surely God would want that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's foreign to our life. (laughs) But for whatever reason, I mean, the uh, Cain's, Cain's offering is rejected, or at least he feels that it's rejected. I mean, it's, it's so hard to parse out what, what is behind there. But I think, I think the jealousy piece makes total sense because that's exactly what we do is we want what somebody else has and we don't realize their own struggles in the midst of it. And we, well, we take it out on them. So the first thing, the beauty of humanity in the story of the Bible is it only takes one generation before we start killing each other. So, so we got that going for us. (laughs) And then God said to Cain, why are you angry? Why do you look so resentful? If you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door, ready to strike you. It will entice you, but you must overrule it. So that temptation never really goes away, does it? No, it doesn't. Right. It's always a battle. To me, the funniest part in the story is after uh, God confronts Cain for killing his brother. He sends him away. And Cain's afraid of the other people that are going to kill him. <laughs> kind of ironic, huh? It's like, why? I wiped half of them out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think part of that is, um, at least for me, it's it's showing that these stories, they're not too worried about some of the things that don't make sense. Right, right. right. I mean, because that's not why they're telling them. They're yeah. not trying to tell. This is not a historical document trying to say this is exactly how this went down. It's about the fear that Cain has of revenge. That that's that that's what's going to happen, or of somebody treating him the way he was treated, or the way he treated his brother. I mean to say. And again, to think of Jesus, what's he say? Is I mean, he teaches love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he, you know, he says, turn the other cheek. He tells us to forgive, not just seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven, depending which gospel you read. Yep. Um, That there's this innate sense of what it means to be a person of faith is to care for other people, is to see their God-given humanity and dignity, uh, that anybody we run across is also in the image and likeness of God and our greedy, selfish jerk side we need to overcome that in a lot of ways to live into this love that we've been gifted. And whether we're in exile or whether we're in a position of power, it's it's our place to exercise that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, to, to kind of be faithful in a way that lives out of that love place rather than that jerky place. And when we go to that jerky place, because all of us do, uh, we, we should be turning back in, in repentance rather than in fear. Yeah. Yep. Fear, the, fear of the other, especially, which is what we do most of the time. And that's an important part of, of our faith that we, 
like or we we don't necessarily think about all the time is that part of repentance and we especially as lutherans we don't talk about that but we do practice it on a weekly basis in our time of confession and hearing the forgiveness and absolution from god in in our worship services um and i remember a number of years ago at you know, as a pastor, when I lead the conf- time of confession, I we have a, a moment of silence for us to uh, individually confess our things to God before we do it corporately in our congregation. And and one church member came up to me and said, Pastor, you must have thought we really sinned a lot this week. You spent a little time, extra time in that silence. You know, what, did you want me to confess some more? And I, I looked at him and I said, You'd be, well, sub- you'd be surprised what I know. No, yeah. I looked at him and I said, well, you know, I also confess. Maybe I need a little extra time yeah. this week, you know. And, yeah. and But that, that time of repentance and thinking about what have we done this past week that we need to confess over to God and, and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. And there's something about, I mean, there's a power to the story. I think that it is. I mean, what did the first people do? They, they lie, they blame, and they kill mm. um, to protect themselves or, or at least the, the perception of protecting themselves from the things they've done uh, or, or projecting that. And, and what does God do? Um, God still walks with them, even with the consequences of what happens. Um, but the other piece of this that shouldn't be neglected, and we, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't gone there yet quite, is, is as much of a violent story humanity is, what does God do about that but enter into that violence? Um, and, and, I mean, isn't that what the cross does? Is it, it, it takes the weight of that, and at the same time it, it takes away its sting. I mean, it takes the power away from from it um, by the one who suffers with and for us and, and forgives us, of course. But it's, it's about, uh, you know, the, the darkest part of our humanity is exactly the place where, where God enters to be with us and to love us and to claim us again and again and again and again and again. Um, because ultimately, God is our keeper. Yep. And then... Hopefully, uh, we can be transformed in a way where we, we can keep claiming that, that hope that we have. One of, one of the interesting things that I uh, have been thinking about, and we've talked about it on, on the podcast and off the podcast as well, you know, and I kind of was joking at the beginning when I said, are you bro- your brother's keeper? Uh, but I think that's a real serious question that we need to ask right now of, of ourselves, are we our siblings keeper? And right. what I Absolutely. mean about that is what are we doing, especially in terms of privilege for us to walk with those who are experiencing violence in their life, who are experiencing discrimination, who are getting their voice taken away from them because of other people forcing themselves uh, to take away the, their voice, and that—that's something that we need to—we need to ask ourselves: What are we doing, and and how are we supporting those people who are on the margins? 
The history of the church suggests that when we really claim that piece of nostalgia we were talking about at the beginning, you know, like we're, we're claiming the good old days, so we need to protect that no matter what. That's kind of the death nail for how we're operating. Yeah. Because we're only going to turn inward and force everybody out. But the history of the church would also avail itself, I think, pretty consistently when when the, the people on the margins are the focus or the people who have been excluded are included or the people who are suffering are lifted up as, as for the, the human beings that they are. Um, that that is the place when the, the church really starts to grow. And maybe it grows numerically, maybe it doesn't, but it really lives into its mission. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's all it's fascinating. I, I I always think of the the first couple of centuries. You know, why did the Christian movement work? It, there's no reason why it should have. Right. You know, you got you got a marginalized people that, you know, didn't matter in the sight of the empire anyway. And who did they reach out? But reach out to but you know for all sake and purposes the the losers i mean nobody right. cared about them and then all of a sudden you've you've got these communities in just about every place i mean it doesn't take long it's really pretty fascinating in in a few generations the whole empire i mean not the whole empire but a lot of places in the empire have these christian communities enough to the point where you know the correspondence we have is a lot of the new testament i mean it doesn't take long mm-hmm. like how does this happen like you know we have viral videos that are kind of interesting for like two minutes and then you've moved on to the next thing. Right. This is, you know, a, a, a sense of taking care of people in a way that the world doesn't. And I agree with you. We need to claim that as, as the core of who we're supposed to be, because if, if we're, if we got any shot of living faithfully in the future, whether our churches survive or not, uh, it kind of doesn't matter. What matters is are we are we living into this mission that we've been sent to care for each other, to be our siblings keeper, to 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 love as God loves, because it's there where where it's happening. I mean that's that's where God's at work, and maybe we've been so closed off from it because we've been worried about our own stuff uh, that we've kind of forgotten uh, who we are, even in in some ways. So. And, and yeah, I, what are we willing to risk in order to, to make that happen? And a lot of us can say, well, I, I risk a lot. But then when it comes down to it, are we really willing to risk all we have in, in order to stand up? And I, we, we have friends and we know people who, who have walked that walk and talked that talk. And we have done that ourselves to a certain extent. But, um, but it's a really tough question. And, and it as we move forward, it just gets tougher and tougher to think about the realities of what that means and, and how are we going to live that out each and every day. Agreed. Agreed. There's a lot, there's a lot to think about in this little story. I mean, you, you first, you, I, I always gravitate towards the snake cause it's the most ridiculous piece <laughs> of it. Not ridiculous in a far fetched kind of way, but it's just, it's so, not part of our cartoonish everyday, cartoonish right it's not a part of our everyday experience so you know you read it and you say well what is this about but at the same time it's it's very pertinent and in your face almost a little bit when you really start thinking about what's underneath there and you know where do we exile each other mm. uh, 
where are we still killing each other over the, over the things that do they really matter all that much? Right. Or are are we so looking for that place of protection that's immune from the world that we don't connect with the world anymore because we we've just focused so solely on ourselves, which seems to be what these people are doing. Yep. You know, and then what do you what are you left with but the bodies? But the good, I mean, there's there's good news and hope, of course. Um, you know, we can be renewed. I mean, Genesis doesn't end at chapter four, and then forget it, guys. You're on your own. Right, right, right. There's a there's a long story of people continuing to struggle with this calling. Uh, I mean, when we get to Abraham and, and so forth, you know, about being a blessing to other people, uh, certainly the people of Israel would later reflect, that is what we forgot. That is how we went off the rails. That's that's how we ended up in exile in the first place, is we, we were so focused on ourselves as, as being so special that we forgot that what we were special for, <laughs> <laughs> or to do, uh, or to be, and... And I don't mean that to put it on anybody. I just mean we do the exact same thing, yeah. I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, in the church, we do it all the time without even thinking about it, um, just because this is this is what we've done and how we do it or the way it looks, um, when we really should be focused on how are we sent people uh, to live this, this good news of, of hope and new life in the world so that people do know they're valued um in you know and and we we just need to change the the focus and uh part of it is claiming that right yeah um of owning our own sense of we've not been very good at this but also to say but yeah but we're still called to it and if we are going to be our siblings keeper um what does that mean can we really dwell in that idea and think about oh when i'm in this situation how do these people that i'm with know know that they're valued or heard uh, or, or do they right 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 and some some great questions and for those of you who are listening to this podcast we would love to have conversation with you about this and other questions that come up from you in these next couple of chapters from the book of Genesis, we're really kind of looking at chapters two, three, and four, and we would love to hear your perspective. So if you go to facebook.com backslash two bald pastors underneath the, uh, the, this post of uh, this podcast, uh, we would love to hear your questions and your thoughts and your takes on some of the stuff that we discussed in this podcast today. So we, we love hearing from you, uh, getting your feedback, and it, is, it really kind of brings us joy knowing that you are getting some value out of the work that we are doing together. Yeah, and I think at the same time, it's also just worth saying, I mean, we're not uh, saying we know everything in these, these passages oh, no, right. either. I mean, we're kind of just reflecting on them a little bit and hopefully including people in that conversation. So, I mean, there's there's certainly more depth to be done as far as reading these texts and, and, and really getting into them. Um, we're kind of skimming by and dealing with some of the pieces of it. But at the same time, I think these stories do speak 
And uh, I think they can guide us, and, and they certainly can call us out on our stuff, and they certainly can give us hope and, uh, and you know, give us some promises as well uh, if we're willing to kind of open ourselves to them and, and let, not that we have to let, but to actually give space where God is still speaking in them. Yeah. And uh, I think that's, that's what they offer to us, uh, even millennia and and thousands of miles away from from those first people who were hanging on wondering if god still cared about them yeah uh, and and for us in our day where we wonder the same thing i think god is still saying yeah let's go yep amen brother well thank you for the conversation hey, today you too. um and again, we are the Two Bald Pastors, and we are looking at Scripture to help you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And we'll see you next week. Be blessed. Bye-bye. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors. Maybe next week we should build a big boat. <laughs>